This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen, amen. I want to talk to you. This is Palm Sunday. This was like a few days or about a week before Jesus was crucified and brought before Pilate. And I want to talk to you about a subject that touches all of us. I want to talk to you about forgiveness. Forgiveness and uh, the pain of, of betrayal. My text, there's a number of texts in the scripture when Jesus enters into Jerusalem and Matthew and Mark, Luke, and in John, they all relate different aspects of how they saw this event play out. Uh, <clears throat> and so just let me just read a little bit of a background here to help uh, frame what I want to talk about. It was springtime Sunday. And about the year 30 AD, the holy city of Jerusalem was crowded with pilgrims who had come for the annual Passover celebration. Jesus had spent many months traveling through the towns and villages of Palestine. He preached about the kingdom of God. He healed the sick, the Bible says, wherever he went. Now the time had come for him to claim his title as Messiah. And <clears throat> the Savior, the God, that, that God had promised to the Jewish people. Jesus knew that his mission was close or almost finished. And so as they traveled to Jerusalem, Jesus warned his disciples that he'd be soon put to death. And they didn't kind of grasp what he's talking about. After three days, and then he would rise again. And then he's talking crazy here. Maybe he's losing his mind. Scripture says, as they came near Jerusalem... Jesus told two of his disciples to go into a nearby village and bring a donkey. And he said that that, that that donkey would be waiting there. Nobody ever rode upon that donkey. And the Bible says that Jesus rode in Jerusalem on a donkey. And when I think about it, and in the, in the picture of a donkey is different than one of a horse. The donkey uh, was prophetic of, of, of peace. When you see a donkey, that's uh, a symbolism of peace. A horse is, is a sim symbolic of war. And so Jesus was coming. Now, they were expecting him, as we get to in a moment, coming as a king of war to overthrow the Romans. And uh, that's not how Jesus was coming. He comes in on a donkey. And so the Bible says that <clears throat> crowds of people spread their coats. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but have you ever just, you know, for uh, maybe someone that needed to walk and there was a puddle and probably some of you guys when you were dating, you know, your wife, you know, you probably, oh, no, honey, don't step in that. Take off that nice leather parker you just bought from Amazon. You got it in two days <clears throat> and she could walk. I don't think, you know, some of you may have done that. And, you know, oh, what, that was so sweet. And your wife walking through that uh, over your coat. <clears throat> but that's what they did. And then they cut down these palm branches and they were waving them and they were laying them down. And, and here they shouted, <clears throat> Hosanna, blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. That was huge. That was huge for them to say that. 
Because nobody, according to scripture, would be greeted that way unless <clears throat> uh, the people wanted that person to be a king. I got a reference here in the Old Testament, 2 Kings 9, 13. It says, in haste, every man of them took his garment, put it, <clears throat> uh, put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. After uh, Je uh, Jehu met with the prophet and said, you're going to be the next king. <clears throat> and so his men around him, that's what they did. And they laid down their coats and, and they shouted, king. That's what they were doing, these people. Here's the thing, most of these people did not understand what kind of king Jesus would be. Once again, they expected their Messiah to be a great political leader, a military leader who would free them from that tyranny of the Roman Empire. <clears throat> it's kind of like they were anticipating and hoping all along because as they watched Jesus, as, as those last three and a half years unfolded, every time Jesus did a miracle, for the most part, Jesus would say, don't tell anyone about it. See, isn't that contrary about us? <laughs> if you pray for someone and they go, I'm healed. <laughs> she got healed. <clears throat> it was me. I'm telling you, when I was in Bible school, that was happening all the time. We'd go out in the streets and pray, and maybe five people have prayed, and everyone's claiming that God used them to heal that person. It's human nature. It's different. But every time Jesus said, you know what? Don't go show yourself to the priest. and don't, don't, show it. don't tell anybody what happened. And it still spread. It still spread. And so the posture now is this is the first time. The first time that he mounts up on this donkey. And he's coming to Jerusalem. And people are cheering. And they're going, this is it. This is the moment. This is the time we've been waiting for. Finally, he's taken, he's taken charge. He's doing what we felt he should be doing. This is the guy. This is the guy. And so, <clears throat> but here's the thing. The kingdom of God is not of this world. Isn't that right? Scripture says that. It's a spiritual kingdom that is now. Let me just tell you this, that if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you're a part of the spiritual kingdom now. Did you hear that? that? That this isn't some far off thing or you're somehow different than those in the New Testament. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kingdom of God is now. And we are part of the kingdom. Do you know that you are God's best right now? He hasn't any, any better. That's comforting. <laughs> I'm not doing good today, pastor, whatever. You're God's best. You are God's best right now. You are his kingdom right now in this season. And you are his best. That's a good place to say, amen, Pastor Mike. Thank you for that encouragement this morning coming to church. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so it's a spiritual kingdom that is growing in the hearts of people. It is continually growing. Who put their faith in Jesus Christ, who were born again, who are saved. Here's my point, what I want to get into here these next few moments. <clears throat> these same crowds that took their jackets off, expensive ones, you know, and <clears throat> that were homemade and laid down palm branches cheering within a few days to about a week, many of them turned on him, betrayed him, and shouted, crucify this guy. Wow. And I began to think about that as I was thinking about this message. <clears throat> How can this be? How can this be when that moment was there and they got, this is the guy without excuse, the miracles, what he's done. Yeah, I know. He healed a cousin of mine. He was blind or <clears throat> I had a son that was dead. He raised him. And, you know, I remember Lazarus. Lazarus was probably walking in the back with them. Lazarus, I was the dead guy. I was the one. And he, he was, a, how many know that he raised him from the dead? 
How powerful would that be? If you knew someone that was dead, and then you would think, this is the guy. Lazarus walking, high five, it's me. Yeah, man, I was the guy. <clears throat> wow, that's miraculous. How can you deny that? Those same crowds shouted to crucify him. You know, it's human nature. And this, this is what we're down. It's a picture, I think, for all of us that as we move, watch this, towards God's divine destiny for each of our lives, there will be those that will encourage you along the way. Hold dear to those friendships. Did you hear that? Hold dear to those friends. Nurture those relationships that love you, people that care about you. Even when you're at your worst, can I get an amen? You know you got a friend when you're at your worst and you let your hair down, or if you don't have any hair, your beard down, whatever. And you know you're at your worst and they still love you and they encourage you. Even though you may have done something, come on, can I get an amen? You've done something wrong and they encourage you. They encourage you. Wow. Those are friends, the Bible says, that stick closer than a brother or a sister. It's human nature. <clears throat> there will be those that will encourage you along the way, and there will be those that will criticize and betray you along the way. It's sad, but it's true. And you know what? What the enemy does is he likes to paralyze Christians into not stepping out. Because why? The moment we step out, what? You're going to have opposition. You're going to have persecution. So we want to stay in that safe bubble. Just don't want to accept. I want, you know, if you have the posture, I want everyone to like me my whole life, my brother and sister, you're going to be a very frustrated person. Amen, Pastor Mike. <clears throat> I want everyone to like me, <laughs> but not everyone will. If I were to listen to the voices, I wouldn't be here today. Voices said, you're crazy, you're nuts. Who do you think you're a What? Name the church, Church of the Harvest. Are you crazy? Yeah. Every single step of the way, there's critics along the way. And you have to overcome that. And you can overcome that through Christ. Can you say amen? <clears throat> but betrayal, you know, it's so painful in life. Especially when it comes to maybe a spouse or a child or a family member. Maybe even a friend, someone you've known that you thought they were your friend and you just come to an impasse and you just, it was a co-worker. You thought, hey, they're on board and they're not on board. Oh, it's betrayal. You know, I want to encourage you parents that you've got little kids that are like two, three, five, six, seven. Enjoy that time. Because when they get older, <laughs> it doesn't get easier. Some of you just think, oh God, you know, I'm so busy. I got all these things. When they get older, it'll be so much easier. Let me tell you something, it's not. I remember my son, Zach, when he was, and they, they, can, they can be a blessing, can be a blessing, but uh, you're still dealing with issues. I remember my son, Zach, in the second home that we, we had at five years old, he wanted to run away from home. So he grabbed his backpack, and he was having some issues with mom, and, and so Ron was there looking out the glass, and he's like, that's it, I'm taking off. He didn't put anything in the backpack, but maybe his Buzz Lightyear or something, you know, I don't know how far he was going to get with that. And he took off down the road, and it was just a cul-de-sac that we lived on, and, and so she watched him, and he finally came to the point where he had to leave our property and kind of go to the, he just went, uh, and then he came back. <clears throat> then he did it a second time, and Rhonda locked the front door. <clears throat> And so he knocked on the door and she goes, oh, my son ran away. I don't know where he's at. <laughs> he never did it again. <laughs> Enjoy this time, okay? Because you got control over their life. No, sit here, do that. No, be quiet, go. Hug your sister, hug your brother. 
Can I get an amen? This is spoken from a dad that knows, all right? Enjoy it. These same people listened to Jesus' sermons. They attended his church services. They ate the miraculous food that he produced. They watched his healings and miracles, and many of them turned on him in the end. Wow. You know, I was thinking about this. I thought, I wish when I was in Bible school, there was a course on handling betrayal. But there just wasn't. And at the time, if it was offered, I probably wouldn't have gone to it. Betrayal, what? I want to, let's talk about the important spiritual things. What are you talking about? I mean, if you're to proclaim the word, people are just going to love that. And you're not going to have any problems. It's everything's going to be hunky-dory. You know, the other courses I took on evangelism, Old Testament, New Testament study, Book of Acts. There's a term called homiletics. It's a class. It's, you know, uh, the art of preaching and writing sermons. I didn't do too good on that. Homiletics was a better one I did in, which means the study and principles of methods interpreting the text of the Bible. There was a class on eschatology, end times, you know, Daniel, Revelation, what's going to happen, the beast, and all of that. And, and then, uh, you know, there was just classes on a lot of things in world evangelism, heaven a biblical worldview, but there was no course on betrayal. How to deal with it in life, in ministry. We all need that. We all need that. The Bible talks about it. <clears throat> Here's the thing. It's no secret that those who are closest to us can wound us the most profoundly. You can say amen, owe me to that. Betrayal can build walls around our hearts to protect us from the heartache. And many of you because of betrayal, some form or another, you have walls in your heart. And the older I get, I pray the more godly I get. But I start seeing myself, I'm not talking about anybody else, the older I get, the harder it is to be more loving. <laughs> I don't know why. I say, Pastor, that was so unspiritual. Yeah, mm-hmm. You better believe it was. But it's just, I don't know what, what it is. I, I, you think that by the time you're 80, 90 years old, I would glow. <laughs> He's just glowing with God. Hallelujah. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> and so we build these walls. And those same walls, they, they keep us from receiving healing and having trusting relationships. Because if you put it out there and it's cut down, you're going to be a little bit more resident before you do it again. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> Isn't that right? <clears throat> and so and these walls can make us less loving. We don't want that. We don't want that. So, a couple questions. In moments of this unthinkable betrayal and hurt, how are we supposed to respond? How do we free ourselves from the entanglement of the toxic stress in emotions that are, that are devastating our bodies? You know, I was reading a medical journal, <clears throat> a medical journal from uh, Johns Hopkins uh, Hospital. It's out of Maryland. <clears throat> and this medical doctor writes this. <clears throat> he says, whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or a long-held resentment toward a family member or friend, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. The good news, the studies going on, the studies has found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels in sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, 
and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. And this quote here from Dr. Karen Swartz, there is an enormous physical burden, physical burden to be in hurt and disappointed, she says. Director of the Mood Disorder Clinic at the, uh, at the university there, or the hospital. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then, she writes, increases the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, <clears throat> among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. The article goes on to say that you can learn to be more forgiving. Forgiveness is not just about saying the words, she writes. And this is secular. This is not a Christian uh, uh, article. <clears throat> it's not faith-based. She says, it is an active process in which you make, watch this, a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not. Amen. Friends, God has a more excellent way, and that's forgiveness. Can you say amen? amen. You know, <clears throat> I wish there was a pill that they came out with that you buy it online, you can get it in two days at Amazon Prime, and it says it's a forgiveness pill. Someone you can't stand, they're just driving you nuts, and it's just, oh, man, you are so mad. You could just go and say, I got my pills, and pop it in, and you go, I love you. You're so wonderful. But there isn't. There's no such pill that can do that. Hurt and rejection, they are loads that we, are, we were never meant to carry. There are weights that we do not have to bear, God is saying. Very quickly, let me just go through four things to consider this Palm Sunday on forgiveness here. First thing, if you take a note, you need to learn to forgive yourself. Learn to forgive ourselves. You know, grace means receiving something we don't deserve. I, I need to say that again, because some of you didn't get that. Grace means we receive something we don't deserve. That's why it's grace. And it's been extended to us. And many of us, we have the giving side down pretty well. But when it comes to receiving, we're not really good at that. Especially forgiveness in your life. Especially you people that are high on the performance orientation. You know, high, you know, expectation things above you, you know, that, that you feel are demanded of you. It's hard. It's hard. You, you can't receive um, maybe there's a time you need to take a look back at something that you have never forgiven yourself and to forgive yourself. Here's the amazing news. God will never define you by your greatest mistakes. Neither should you. Amen? Amen. So we have to learn to forgive ourselves if we're going to be forgiving people. And here's the thing. The scripture talks about that we can come boldly to that throne of grace, to find mercy and help in the time of need. Amen? That there's cleansing power in, in, in God's word. And if you blow it, you screwed up, you messed up. The problem is that the enemy tells you, this is what he tells you. So if you hear this voice or this broken record that kind of seems like it continues on in your head, <clears throat> is you've done that so many times. You keep asking forgiveness, and God is sick of this. Oh, can I get an Amen. That's a lie. That is not the spirit of God. If I believed that, I wouldn't be here today. 
Many of you wouldn't be where you're at today if you believe that because it's a lie. The enemy doesn't want you to grasp this grace and truth of God. He doesn't want you to grasp that, you know what, yes, I was a sinner saved by grace, but you know what, I'm, I, here go, there go I by, by the grace of God and I stand before you forgiven and cleansed by his power. Amen? You need to receive that. Second thing quickly is forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice. If you're struggling with unforgiveness, then you have to begin by asking God to give you the strength to forgive. Here's the thing. It's not an option when it comes to God's word. Now, this comes with a great warning. You have to realize that choosing not to forgive could be the very thing holding you back from amazing opportunities all around you that God is trying to reach your heart in and do in and through your life. But when we focus on our hurt, and those who have hurt us, which is easy to do, we can miss the good that is standing just maybe a few feet away because we don't see it. We're clouded by what that person did to us. Wow. Forgiveness is a choice. Number three, you're not alone. You're not alone. We all have had things said or done to us that brought pain. Isn't that right? Every single one of us. I mean, if you're alive, life in a large part is about dealing with pain, dealing with hurts and rejection. We've all experienced betrayal and rejection. But see, we, Jesus is the picture. I believe he's wanting to show us here today this greatest example of this. And, and when, here's the thing. When they were crucifying him, he could have condemned every man who mocked him that day. He could have struck dead every single one of them in a flash. He could have vaporized them. He could have put, put them in a state of, in, you know, uh, spontaneous combustion and just watched them just turn to ash. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. What did he do? He prayed. And he prayed this simple prayer. And he said this, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. My brothers and sisters... The battles that we fight in this area, many of them are spiritual battles. Did you hear that? That they're, they're of the enemy to get in there, to cause you to focus on a person when the truth of the matter is, it's the enemy behind that to make you lose your peace. Are you with me? I'm almost done. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That takes a lot to get to that place because you thought, yeah, you knew exactly what they were doing, Pastor. Oh, yeah, they were out for my doom. You know how much money they took from me? You know what they did to me? They did this. They did that. Oof, maybe so. What is God asking of us? They didn't know what to do. They're under demonic oppression. Demons were driving them. <laughs> they weren't in their right mind. They allowed their flesh to take over. Can I get an amen? That's, what's, that's what is going on here. We need to step back and recognize that sometimes we just put it as, you're out to destroy me, and if I don't protect my future. Listen, when Judas was sitting there at the Last Supper, what does Jesus do? <clears throat> he says to Judas, this is the guy that's about to betray him. He says, what you do, do quickly. Listen, only somebody that knows the end results of victory could say something like that. Isn't that right? Only somebody that knows, hey, what you do, do it quickly because I'm going to bring salvation. I'm going to overcome. What you got to do is just a little part in the, what I'm going to accomplish. Somebody say amen. amen. See, and so, so no matter what they do to you, they cannot stop the purpose of God for your life. No matter how much they take from you, how much they steal from you, how much they hurt you, God will restore like he did to Job seven times over. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. You're not under it. You're over it. 
in Jesus' name. You're not under that anger, that hate, that unforgiveness. You're over it. Praise God. So in a moment of physical and emotional pain, Jesus, he gives the greatest example. What does he do? He chooses to forgive. Wow, that is not easy. Which brings me to my last point. Don't keep score. Don't keep score. As I think about this, you know, one of the hardest lessons the Bible teaches us about forgiveness is that it's, it's limitless. It doesn't keep score. Now, when I watch things and I hear some horrible things that have happened on the news and, and, then, and then you experience things in your life and, and, you, and you kind of wonder and you go, you know what, I, I, I just, I mean, I, I know God has to forgive, but boy, I just couldn't. I get that. I mean, I get that. You know, my 96-year-old grandmother who passed away a few years ago, Irish woman, she used to walk around and, and she would say this, Michael, because my name was not Mike. Dare I say Mike, it, I would be in deep trouble. It's Michael. And she would say, Michael, I forgive them, but I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> I know what she's saying. Okay, I understand it. And let me just say this about forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean you open your heart to trust that person. Can I get an amen? amen. Trust needs to be established and built. I remember Joyce Myers. Okay, you know, she's a powerful man. We all know that she went through tremendous sexual abuse. She felt, and she shares on this, and, and I heard this message a number of years ago about how she thought, well, you know, because my father abused me, then, then my two daughters, I, if I forgive him, then I trust him. He brought, she brought her daughters over the house today, and he abused the daughters. You don't have to trust, but you can still forgive. All right? You, trust is earned. It's earned. Are you still with me this morning? It needs, to, it needs to be earned. And so, and so just because you say, I forgive you, that you can come back and do it again. No, no, that's not what God is saying. He's saying you release them. See, here's the thing about forgiveness. You need it for your future in life. Regardless of what path they go down, whether they, you know, accept it or not. Forgiveness is first a choice. And then I, I kind of said it this way. It's like a process of layers and layers of letting go. Now, some things, someone pulls you over or whatever, and like, this idiot, what are they doing? And you rant and rave, or, you know, they cut in front of you, whatever, and, you, you know, you're just like, okay. After an hour or two or whatever, or maybe a few moments, you move on to that, you're talking about something else. But when it hits us personally, and it just, it just, just, it just crushes us, that is where forgiveness is, is a choice. But here's the thing. Just because you say I forgive somebody doesn't necessarily mean your heart is really totally forgiven them. And so I kind of liken it to an onion. I mean, I mean, Vidalia onions are coming out now soon. Georgia Vidalias are the best ones. You know, they're so sweet. But how many of you know if you have just a white onion or something really strong, a red onion, the more you kind of peel, the more it starts to, that's kind of what forgiveness is. God wants you to continue to peel, and sometimes there's tears along the way. Can I get an amen? Is it more layers? How I many you can just peel layers and layers on them, but the more you do it, the stronger it is. And sometimes, I, and that sometimes is a process. And that's speaking for me. It was a process in forgiving my dad. Forgiving my dad. Maybe you heard the story. I won't spend time to get into that, but it was a process. There's times that my wife would say, when I was in Dallas, I would be driving, not even knowing, but I would say, I forgive him. I release him in Jesus' name. God, heal my heart. I forgive him. I would release you. In Jesus' name. And she would say, what are you saying? And I would be like, what? Sometimes it didn't even dawn on me <laughs> what I was doing. 
And I'm just doing it because it was like layers and layers. Come on. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to many of you right now. And he's going deep. He's peeling layers away and things are being awakened in your heart that you thought, you know what? I haven't truly forgiven. It takes time. I want you to know it's, it, it can be a, a, a one-time act when you release it and you feel that freedom. Praise God. But there's, there's a trust issue. Okay? And trust needs to be established. See, so God, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, we are not to keep score. But here's the thing. God can keep score. You say, what do you mean by that? He does it in a different way. God's mathematics are forgiveness is 70 times 7. What does that mean? <clears throat> it was the answer that he gave when the disciples asked him, well, how many times do we forgive our brother when they sin against us? It simply means that forgiveness knows no end. And I want to emphasize once again, we're ready to conclude here, is that, that forgiveness is important for your spirit, for your heart, for your future. Many people, they're carrying lions and bears and dragon balls and chains and, and they're just carrying everything with them. Here's the thing. If, you, if you're not free from it, you carry it with you wherever you go. That's the thing that is so maddening to me. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? You can say, like, you know what? I'm going to go on vacation. And we're going to forget about everything. No, you don't. Can I get an amen? You bring it down to Tijuana or wherever. Probably not Tijuana. You probably shouldn't want to go there. Uh, Cancun or, you know, wherever. Playa de Karma. It's dangerous down there. No, uh, how many hear what I'm saying? Florida or, you know, the beaches and California. You, you bring it with you. Wow. We don't want that. Amen. So it's easy. It's easy for us to turn our backs on others. They've wronged us. And, and we just walk away. We're just like, yep, yeah, mm -mm, I forgive it, but I'll never forget it. Trust needs to be established. Isolation, emotional detachment, even depression. And what happens is that gap, it grows wider and wider and wider. And it's felt by everyone that's closest to you. And let me just speak to the men here. Uh, <clears throat> A lot of times we do things, men, and we really don't take the time to think about why we do the things we do and how our behavior is affecting our family. And I had some incidents that God had to deal with me with about my dad, but it was, I, was, I was pushing that on to my children, and God had to deal with me with that. And many of you know <clears throat> the situation with my dad, and a few years ago I flew him out here spend time with him. He, it was wonderful. It was a great time and loved on him, paid for everything. And, and I felt I needed to do that as an act of, 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 of forgiveness and healing in my heart towards him. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, I wanted to move in an apartment right next to me, okay? But I have forgiven him. There's no hooks in me. There's no where it used to have been. I don't have that now. I'm free. I can't be hurt. Stay with me if you would, please. Let me just say this. This is golden. Time does not heal all wounds, but forgiveness can. Well, they're moved out of the state. They're out of my life. <clears throat> it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Let me just read this little illustration here as we conclude about forgiveness. <clears throat> There's an attorney after meditating on several scriptures. He decided to cancel the debts of all his clients that had owed him money for more than six months. So what he does is he drafts a letter explaining his decision in its biblical basis. And he sent 17 canceled letters via certified mail. 
One by one, the letters were returned by the Postal Service, unsigned and undelivered. He thought, well, perhaps maybe, maybe some people, they've all moved away, or he thought, you know, what, what, why didn't they open it up? 16 of the 17 letters came back to him because the clients refused to sign for and open the envelopes, fearing that this attorney was suing them for their debts. How profound. He was extending them grace and mercy, but they wouldn't even open the envelope. Every head bowed, please. <clears throat> we live in an age in desperate need of courageous acts of forgiveness. Many of you, you need to stop drinking the poison. <clears throat> what happens is we drink the poison and we expect it to hurt the one who hurt us. It only hurts us, church. It only hurts us. So when it comes to your family or those closest to you, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us forgive. But not just forgive, to restore in some capacity and to heal. Some of you say, you know what, Pastor? These things that were done, these abuses that happened to me, once again, trust must be established. God is not saying you to put it all out there. But you need to be healed so you can be whole. And I'm just going to quote this last quote that this medical doctor did. Forgive this is not just about saying the words. It is an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of those negative feelings. Whether the person deserves it or not is for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, as I was praying this morning about the conclusion, Nancy Rungi, she texts Rhonda of Scripture. And I thought, that's it. That, 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 Nancy, where are you? Will you come up? I know I'm kind of uh, putting you on the spot here. Um, I have the mic here. It's from the Message Bible. And it's what they did to Jesus is what it's talking about in our response to that. Okay. This makes me nervous, but um, anyways, this is what God showed me this morning. It's in um, 2 Corinthians 4 and verses 7 through 12 and then 16 through 18. But if you read the whole thing, it's, it's pretty powerful. But it says, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, we've, we haven't, but we haven't been broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. 
Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us, there's more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Heavy head bow, please. You're here this morning and you don't know the Lord. This is the first step in the cleansing power of God. Maybe you're watching by television and you go, there's people I just, I hate, Pastor. I hate these people. Hate's a strong word, but you, you feel it. I just hate what they did to me. Jesus is reaching out here this morning. Was it just? Was it? No, it was unjust. It was uh, uh, unrighteous. Here's, you need to know. Here's what you need to know, church. The wheels of God's justice turn ever so slowly, but they grind ever so finely. God will vindicate all injustice. He will. You can be confident of that, but what he's more concerned is your heart now. You're here this morning as a pastor pray for me. I, I want to feel that cleansing power. I want to be washed. I want to be restored. I need Jesus. Let's pray corporately. Say to me, say, Jesus, I believe you died in the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Say, forgive me. I forgive others. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.